Welcome to the Steve Noble Podcast. Tons of truth, lots of grace, but no sacred cows. Now, let the show begin. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's great to be with you, and it's great to be back with our friend out there in Arizona, where I don't know if it's a whole lot warmer out there right now than it is in Raleigh. We're at like 60 degrees, but Happy New Year, David Fisher, Landmark Capital, LandmarkGold.com. It's great to see you again, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. I just, last night, I just flew in at 2 o'clock from uh, about 12-degree weather, so um, we, my wife and I, I was doing a seminar out in Bismarck. i I'll, as you know, I do radio across the country, and we have a radio talk show host that's the largest station in Bismarck, uh, the number one talk show host. And uh, so we went out there, did a two-day two, two day, uh, show, a one-day seminar, had dinner with him and his wow. wonderful wife, Carrie. Todd Mitchell is his name. And actually, ironically, the uh, uh, lieutenant governor, former lieutenant governor of, of, South D- or of North Dakota, uh, Brent and Sandy Stanford, uh, he served from 2016 to 2023, had a great meeting about politics, economics. Wow. So, but I'm glad I'm back in a little bit warmer territory right now. There's no place <laughs> like home, as they say. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should tell them the next time they want you to come up there, do it in the summer. Well, that's what was planned. I mentioned this to him. <laughs> you know, think about this. You know, I mentioned this to him three weeks ago, and I said, think about this you know, maybe in the summer or spring. He says, no, no, no. The biggest event that we're sponsoring as a radio station is happening in a week and a half. You got to come out here. Well, you know, yada, yada. So that's what happened. And <laughs> actually, it was I've been told by many, this was a mild winter because just two weeks prior to this, it was like minus 20. So, oh, um, and last so- winter was minus 40, minus 50. And so I... I you know, I feel really bad. I just missed out. Where did you fly into to get up there? Flew into Bismarck. There's only one airport in Bismarck, the main wow. one. And so we flew out of Phoenix here, a direct flight and mm. uh, three hour flight. <laughs> it's like you went to Siberia. That's such a radical change <laughs> of, of, uh, of temperature. It's just wild. It That's great to hear about that. And you texted me about that the other day. So that was cool. Praise the Lord for that. Anytime we can go and share and try to help other people, there's always a unique blessing. Even if it's cold, uh, it's still worth it. But it's great to have you back. Sorry for the delay. And uh, how was your Christmas? And Happy New Year. But how was your Christmas? Christmas was fantastic. Kind of low key. Yeah. Uh, we did a little bit different. Not hardly any presents. Uh, oh, that's so right. You I mentioned that. ahead of time. We said we were going to, instead of buying all these presents, I said, how about we do something we'd never done before? A couple of days after Christmas, let's go to Hawaii. And so mm. we did that instead. Awesome. And stayed there for New Year's. Wow. And as far as I'm concerned, I'd rather do that than get a bunch of presents. I said, I, you know, I don't need anything. I, I, I just had a wonderful time with my yeah. wife. So that's yeah. that's what I really enjoy the most. And the presents are, yeah, okay, that's that's nice. Yeah, and, oh, yeah. But yeah. it kind of gets lost in the true meaning mm-hmm. of Christmas, you know. So I think at our age, uh, we've done enough presents to last yeah. a lifetime. So yeah. I'd rather have my wife's presents 
spelled yeah. differently than any presence. And Absolutely. I think that's great. That, that I'll, I'll take a cue from that. With, with, it was low key for us too. It was just us and our two daughters because both boys are married now. So they were with their other families. Uh, but it was fun. And the day after Christmas, we took off for Asheville. We spent three days out there in the mountains with just, I've never mm. done anything, David, with just me and my girls. So that was great. And then they were, uh, it was funny. I'll, let me tell you this story right quick, and then we'll dive into our agenda today. <laughs> but uh, on that trip, both girls, Amelia's uh, now 26. She's the one in Manhattan. And then Caroline's 19. She's the one uh, in college now here in North Carolina. And they were both, we talked about this five years ago, David, and they were like, hey, dad, are you going to, now that the radio thing's over, you're going to have uh, your summers kind of off. That's going to be different. Uh, you need to go get a PhD. And I'm like, all right, I got a master's degree that took me eight years. All right, that that wasn't that 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 was my master's in ethics, theology, and culture. And then I'm like, okay, okay, I'll I'll text Danny Aiken, who's the president of the seminary out here. And we I went and had lunch with him a couple of weeks later, and, and of course he was thrilled about that. And then I called Amelia after because I have to report into my daughters because they've given me an assignment. Mm -hmm. And I said, Amelia, what well, now? Now this is gonna I'm gonna make this I'm gonna circle this around so it's gonna make sense to you and you can apply it to your own life. I said, now, now, why again, do you want me to do this? Why do, why do you want me to get a PhD? She said, well, first of all, dad, I mean, it'll help you in what you're doing with all the teaching you're doing. It's going to be great for speaking in other places. And maybe one day in 10 years, you want to go teach on a college campus. You can teach on any college campus that would allow you in America uh, with a PhD. But ultimately, I think the number one reason you need to get a PhD is because there's, she's like, you're one of the smartest people I know. And I just think people that, and, and her, old, her older brothers like that too. He's way more intelligent than I am. She goes, people that have that kind of gifting, I just think you have a responsibility to do with as much with it as you can. I think God wants you to do as much with it as you can. And you love learning. And I, I think it's just, I think you have to do it. I think it's a responsibility. And, and that, that made me think, David, just about the use of our gifts. And so when you're telling the story about going up to Bismarck, and all the things that we do and the things that we've done together since 2016, I mean, we're, we're both using our gifting and we have a responsibility to do it. That's why when I knew was, I was going to stop radio and then start the podcast up, and this is the first time David and I have done a, a, a Money Monday kind of show since uh, December, I'm like, I have a responsibility to do this. I have a responsibility to share this information that you're so kind to gather and all these 25 plus years of being in the business. We just have a responsibility to do it. It's a stewardship issue. It's a gifting issue. And, and so that's why it was a no brainer to me when I got off the radio. I'm like, people are like, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about Money Mondays? And I'm, I'm going to do more shows with David. Of course, that, that's a stewardship <laughs> issue. Uh, on top of that, it's just, I love you and, and I appreciate you and, and all that I've seen the Lord do for, for you and your life and for me and my life. It's just a no brainer. So I'm glad that we're back at it. So that was a long way of uh, me saying it's good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you and good to have you back. But anyway, I just thought I'd share that. Well, thank you so much. You know, you've been a dear brother. You've been through me, been with me through thick and thin. Mm. My health issues that I've fully recovered from. Amen. COVID, when we almost died with COVID. And just as a side note, when I was in Bismarck, and remember, you know, Marianne took on this, my wife Marianne took on this ministry of sending out ivermectin to a whole bunch of people. And yeah. we sent it out to a lot of people in North Dakota. So this person came up to my, our booth and he says, I want to introduce myself. And I said, I want to, I want you to meet my parents. Mm. Marianne is responsible for them being alive right now. Oh man. 
and boy, did I get choked. I, mean, I said, what do you mean by that? And she told me this, reminded me of the story yeah. of COVID and ivermectin. And so it's just, you know, you, you've touched our lives, Steve, and we keep giving forward mm-hmm. to other people because you touched our lives. And, you know, that's the work of the Holy Spirit and you being oh, obedient amen. to the Lord. So that's you right. just can't imagine how many people's lives you touch mm. and they touch someone else's life if you wouldn't have touched them. So my my heart, grateful heart, thanks goes out to you. Thank you so much, brother. You're welcome. And it's going to be so cool once we get to heaven, whenever that <laughs> is. Uh, there's going to be all these, it's like God's going to open up the whole yeah. thing and you're going to, all these connections, all the little conversations and little encouragements that you had for other people, other believers that we're with forever. And then we're, and I think, this is my hope, my heavenly hope that I have, that, that we're going to be like, why do I know you? <laughs> and then we're going to work through it. And then all of a sudden you're going to find out, well, I, yeah. I met this one person and they met this other person. It's like the old Brett commercial. Remember yeah. that? And he told two friends and they told yep. two friends yep. and so on and so on. And then eventually, and then it's, and then that person is like, oh, this guy, uh, David Fisher. And then David Fisher, Steve Noble, yeah. and then reverse. It'll, I'm just yeah. so excited about that. It'll be so cool. And people go, man, that'll take a long time. And I'm like, Hey, we have forever. It'll be fine. We'll you're get around to it. But that's great. Let's let's dive in. I know we have a lot to talk about. Banks are still in the news. You know, you, you flip over to a new year. It's 2024. But like Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. So banks are still in the news and having more trouble. So let's talk about that first. So I said that we're going to have trouble through 2024. And then towards the end of last year, I said it's going to be going through 2025. Oh, man. Not because I came up with these ideas, but because this is what the economists and the people who are in the know, and I'm just quoting them. But let's take a look at what just happened here. A big bank, one of the biggest out in New York, Bancorp, they went under. They didn't go out of business like First Republic or Silicon Valley Bank, but their stock crashed to 27-year lows. Uh, This has happened right after when the regulators met with the bank and they went public with the information that they're only 33% of the deposits were were uh, uninsured. <laughs> and uh, then Moody's got involved and they downgraded their their stock to junk bond status. So it doesn't stop there. Now here's the new title that just within the same few days, U.S. commercial real estate downturn sends German lenders into tor- turmoil. Another title of another article, European banks are starting to feel the heat over commercial real estate. And it's not contained in Europe or the United States. Here's another one. Even banks in Asia Pacific are mm. on the hook for the U.S. office commercial real estate, according to Fitch. So it's it's this is exactly how it started in 2008. We started, not you and I, but the United States started to have a banking crisis that was around leveraged money. Banks being over leveraged, Wall Street being over leveraged. It started in the U.S., went to the rest of the world. Yeah. There's a synonymous pattern here. But when we look a little bit further into a thing called a leading indicator, which is, this is an economic indicator. It's put together by the, the government, uh, an entity of the government called the Conference Board Leading Economic Indicator, LEI. Not to get too far in the woods on this thing, but... What this is, is this tells the real story, what's really going on in the economy. For the last 21 months, the leading economic indicator has had declines. Every month, month after month, 
consecutively for 21 months. Mm, man. This is one month short of the longest streak. Guess when that was? Right before 2008. Oh, boy. Now, what I'm not saying is next month we're going to have a 2008 crash. Right. What I am saying is there's way too many parallels here happening, and we have to not ignore this. Don't get caught up in everything is okay, just like they were saying in 2007, everything was okay. Right. Listen, 1% of the economists were saying, warning in 2007, that a 2008 environment was going to happen. So just, they missed the mark. The Fed missed Mm -hmm. the mark. The government missed the mark. Economists missed the mark. But now we're seeing the similarities go one more step further. There's a lady by the name of Naomi Prince. She's a geomacroeconomics major. She's a best-selling author. And she says, quote, this is February 5th now, quote, I do see the potential for a massive crisis in the banking sector. We are not out of the woods there. Mm. She's saying, you know, because of what Jerome Powell is saying, they're going to try and save the banks, but they're not going to be able to save the banks because the Fed is in up to hawk into debt, eight right. and a half trillion dollars on their balance sheet. So just again, be careful. Yeah. Being lulled into sleep that this thing is we're going to have this soft landing thing maybe going on. It's not going to be like that. Yeah, and that's that's why to our next point, when when I was going to ask you about your thoughts on the current stock market rally, you just look back. Like I pulled some numbers, David. So on October 27th of last year, not that long ago, the stock market was at 32,417. That's what it closed at that day. Today, it ends up at 38,627. So it's about a 6,000 point click up. And when you look at that, you go, oh, look, we're, we're out of the woods. Uh, but then, you know, we had a huge correction last week because on Friday we, we had some uh, bad economic news on the inflation front and that was a shock to the system today the market's down you know 147 points or so so what's the deal with that with this 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 stock market rally because if you look at the last couple months you're like whoa look we turned the direction we turned the right direction but based on what you're talking about with banks and the other things and national debt again as we've said for years it looks like we've got a bunch of conflicting messages here well i'm not first of all i'm not anti-stock and i and it's a, a good market to be in but it, when it becomes overheated and overleveraged and overvalued, then it has to go through a correction. Just like any other market, gold would do the same thing or, or silver if, it was, if you could leverage mm-hmm. it or get overheated or it becomes overvalued. Real estate, any market does that. So just be careful when you get involved in that. And, you know, here's, here's another article that came out January 16th. Goldman Sachs was dumping billions of dollars in stocks while assets – well, they told their clients to buy assets. So, you know, there's there's an oxymoron going on on yep. Wall Street. Yep. Um, and then here's another article from Market Watch saying that the the big tech denominated stock market is showing similar shades of gray that the dot com did in 2000, and that bubble burst and the market went down 80 plus percent over a little a period of time, about a year, year and a half. But the but prior to the bust was this huge boom. Yeah. So when something becomes overvalued, then it can go through this, these types of cycles. JP Morgan commented on it. They have a team 
that of an analyst led by a guy by the name of Karam Chandri, and he's persistently concerned about the stock market. This is a J.P. Morgan, the largest bank in the United States. They're strategists um, saying this. Here's the quote. We viewed in a historical contents this market parallels the dot-com bubble era mm. and often dismisses due to the irrational exuberance. We demonstrate there is a plethora of similarities between these two periods. Here's another one. David Rosenberg, he used to be the top guy at Merrill Lynch, uh, chief economist. He says, brace yourself for a recession that may trigger a stock market meltdown worse than 2022. What happened in 2022? The market went down a little over 26% from January 7th to October 14th of 2022. And he's saying it's being fueled by debt spending, but you know we can't keep do doing this debt spending right, right. forever. Eventually, the government can't support the market, support the economy, and the consumer can't support the, the market and support the economy. So he's saying the rubber will meet the road in 2024. The bull market is in complacency, will unravel as a recession that few are seeing and few are positioned for to come when that day finally comes. It's going to be a painful drawdown, much more painful than 2022. This mm -hmm. is a stock guy saying this. Yeah. So if it went down 26% and it's going to be painful, be very careful. I do want to say this. What caused the collapse or the major downturn, whatever term you want to call it, in 2008 was a term called derivatives. Right. Derivatives is just simple leveraged money. Banks leveraged money, Wall Street leveraged money, and as a result of leveraged money, Bear Stearns, Bear, uh, Lehman Brothers, two major brokerage companies that have been around longer than 100 years went under, and 220 U.S. banks went under. The government did not have a, enough money to bail out the whole system. Right. They bailed out AIG, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and, and um, General Motors. The leverage money or derivatives, Warren Buffett says those are financial weapons of mass destruction, oh, and they man. were. Most yeah. people lost 50% oh, in their stock portfolio. Most yep. people lost some around that number in their real estate. And it took, in real estate, it took greater than 10 years in some cases to get back to square one and wow. stocks about five years. But let's put this into context then and now. Back then, the total market capitalization of all the derivative market was in 2007, before the crash, $14.5 By the end of 2022, it was $20.7 So I'm going to speculate. I'll say it's around $23, $24 trillion now Man. compared to $14 trillion and a half then. We haven't learned. Right. So this is what brought down the system. This is usually what brings down all financial systems, mm -hmm. leverage money. Be very careful to say that, hey, this is just the greatest thing. I was talking to an investor who had several millions of dollars to his name, and he made a lot of money in a short period of time here through the dot-com and, you know, like NVIDIA stock and others. Sure. That's great. Yep. Take some money off the table. Even mm -hmm. if you don't buy gold, protect some of that money because just as how fast it can go up, in this type of environment, it can come down very fast too. That's right.
Yeah, I mean, it's. I was just talking in my uh, in my civics classes this week for Noble U. We were talking about uh, uh, foreign policy, and I was showing them in 1940 in the presidential election in 1940. FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, "You know, I've, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again and again and again." This was in uh, the fall of 1940. I, I will. I will never. I will not be sending any of your boys into a foreign war. That's what he said in the presidential election in 1940. Of course, you go to December 7th, 1941 in Pearl Harbor, and bam, we had 400,000 Americans die in that war. Things can change literally overnight, just like the scripture reminds us, your life is like a mist. It's here for a moment, then it's gone. And the same thing can be true of the stock market. Real quick, before we talk about the recession, because you mentioned that phrase soft landing, which I think sounds kind of ridiculous at this point, uh, but we'll get to that. But but what do you think's behind where the stock market has gone up like 6,000 points since October What's how is there an explanation for that? Is is that uh, people assuming we're coming out of the recession, so the stock market kind of is, well, is falling so forward it, over Steve itself? Or, how been... do we explain that? Well, you know, it's like I don't. Some of it's I don't want to be left out. Yeah, you know, uh, it's like it's so good to be true. Everybody's doing it. Why shouldn't I do it? Look at what's happening. You know, I've been waiting and waiting. I've been sitting on the sidelines. And so let's dump the money into it. Yeah, they jump in. I think in. that's some of it. Also, at the end of the year and at the beginning of another year, typically there's a lot of balancing of portfolios. Yeah. And typically, you know, stock uh, brokers, they get paid off the performance of, of what they do. And so they want to change the performance. Mm -hmm. And they're telling people, put money in, put money in, put money in. So bye, there's bye, a lot bye. of those combinations that equates to just a big rally happening. Wow. And some of it is just related to the interest rate of the Federal Reserve. Now knowing that the Fed is no probably no longer going to hike anymore, and I don't think they will. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to lower as fast as, and in mm -hmm. fact, I know they're not going to lower as fast as they said they would. But there's anticipation still on Wall Street that they're going to lower rates quicker than actually what the Fed is alluding to, and they're going to do more of it. So Wall Street wants seven to eight, or at least a, a month ago, Wall Street was saying seven to nine uh, interest rate cuts this year. Really, <laughs> the Feds has been saying, you know, two to three. Yeah, yeah. And so Wall Street's still pushing and pushing for this. Interest rates going down causes stocks to go up, also causes gold to go up. We can talk about a comparison between yeah, gold yeah. and stocks here in, at the end here, if you want. And I, cause I've been doing some extra studying cause I did a seminar on Bismarck and it, the numbers are just staggering mm -hmm. on what I found out in this, in my studies. But I think that's, you know, what's causing some of this rally yeah. that people don't have an endless bank account to keep or endless money sitting on the side of the, in a cash position to keep dumping money. So I think we've seen, Big chunks of that coming in. I don't think you're going to see these types of big, big rallies like yep. we saw in the last couple of months. Yeah, it's like any anytime you decide to start sprinting, you're going to run out of out of breath, and then it kind of dies down. Uh, of course, I mentioned last Friday, and the and the recession numbers came out, and those weren't good. That Biden administration wasn't happy about that. Yep. So, what, what, how do we look at recession at this point, David? Because a lot of people, hey, we're moving in the right direction. We talked about that a lot last year on the show. But but how do we look at recession now that we're into 2024 and, and the notion of a of a quote unquote soft landing? Well, I don't know if we're going to have a soft landing. Um, I'll be very surprised. There's nothing that shows us we're going to have a, quote, soft landing. We hear the rhetoric um, just because 
they don't want to tell us we're going to have a hard landing because that would just make things matters work and worse right. and people would do a sell-off. So you're not going to hear from the, the president, the treasury secretary, or even the Federal Reserve saying we're going to have a hard landing. That's just not in their vocabulary. It never <laughs> has been. Just like we never heard anything prior to 2008 of anything of those things happening. They said there was not going to be a recession is what the right. Fed said. The Treasury Secretary said the same thing. So, I mean, you're just not going to hear that. doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So let's look at some people that know a lot more about this mm -hmm. than I do. How about uh, Jeffrey Gunlock? He's a billionaire. He's known as the Bond King. And here's the title of the article, Double Line. That's his company. Gunlock doubles down on recession. So he says higher rates will continue to pose a major threat in the banking system. There's still plenty of anecdotal evidence and to give credence to the belief that urban and commercial real estate market is an debacle. So he's saying it's just a mess. It's going to get worse. Yeah, a debacle. It gets worse. Great. It's going to cause the stock market to be affected. It's going to cause mm -hmm. the economy to be affected. Black Swan author Nicholas Talib, he warned earlier in Miami uh, in late January that the world's biggest economy, the United States, is in a, quote, death spiral of swelling debt. He said there's recent alarms that are being sounded by former Secretary Robert Rubin. Mm -hmm. And uh, Robert Rubin, he was served under Clinton. So think about that for a second. Here is a former Treasury Secretary that served under a Democratic president, specific Clinton, he's mm -hmm. saying that the economy and the debt is a death spiral under a Democratic president. Right. It's not something you would normally hear. No. And it's this not came out in at all. finance. Right. So, and he's just saying, you know, it should be, they got to, he's telling us, kind of like what the Biden administration is saying, they got to raise taxes a whole bunch. It's like... The same thing you and I keep talking about mm -hmm. for the last couple of years. Just if we raise taxes, that'll solve everything. And you know, right. you've done the math before what that would look like. It wouldn't even solve a thing. Good luck. No, it won't get you anywhere. But that's just the the the, the bottom line. Um, he says, looking forward, Ruben says this, we're having to deal with both spending and taxes. When you get realistic about it, I think you're going to have to largely rely on the tax side, end quote. Because he's saying sixty percent of the tax, sixty percent of the debt increase from two thousand to two thousand twenty-two mm -hmm. came from tax cuts. I don't know if I fully believe that, but you know that's what his dad is saying. So, um, you know, the ironic thing is that the current president, in fact, most presidents have said, "No, we passed this bill; it's going to pay for itself." And here's how it's going to pay for itself. <laughs> right. We've heard that so many times. Abracadabra. And it's not doing that under this administration. No. It didn't no. do it under previous Republican and Democratic administrations. And Mark Spiegel of uh, Stanfield Capital, he released a, in his most recent newsletter, January 31st. He's one of Wall Street's uh, individuals who doesn't necessarily go along with Wall Street. Uh, and so he gets a lot of flack for that. And he's saying it's not a bed of roses right now. Uh, he said, even though... A recession is has been predicted and it hasn't arrived doesn't mean it won't arrive. Mm -hmm. So just be careful. He goes on and says this. There's this consensus uh, now for either no landing or a soft landing. 
Yet before the even worse recession, the consensus was nearly always a soft landing, even when we had our worst recessions. So again, don't get caught up in this thing. We're following the same path. Banks, debt, leverage, and belief that everything is just hunky-dory. Right. And that is, you know, the scripture that reminds me, pride cometh before the fall. That's right. I hope this doesn't go into recession. I me hope we don't have banking problems, but it's me following too. the exact same pattern. I mean, with all this stuff, David, uh, I would love to come back uh, a couple times a year and say, well, David, you are wrong again. We did, it wasn't as bad. These things, things got so much better, but well, you were wrong again. But I, 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 those words have not come out of my mouth uh, since we started doing radio together in 2016. And I don't expect that to change. You mentioned debt, and then I want to roll into the, the bail-in. You've got an update on that. I mean, right now we're at $34.2 trillion. Even when you go to the national debt clock and you roll forward just four years, we're at $46.4 trillion. Just four years from now, that's a 35% increase. And federal spending going from right now, they're thinking about uh, $6.4, $6.8 trillion in a year to $7.5 to $8 a year. And and that's and that's even the Congressional Budget Office doing that. And so it's just insane. Those things aren't going to change. They're only going to get worse. Now, we're talking to our good friend David Fisher, Landmark Capital, LandmarkGold.com. As always, you see that uh, on the screen. And by the way, go to the website or make a phone call. You can do that as well. That's just as easy. Uh, if you're if you're still wanting to do the phone thing and actually talk to somebody, that's a great way to do it. 844-604-2575 is David's number. 844-604-2575 or LandmarkGold.com. Again, as a reminder, once I got educated by, by David and we spent hours, literally hours on several different phone calls back in 2016, because I didn't know anything about gold and silver. I didn't understand precious metals or their, or their purpose. I just heard Glenn Beck talking about it and some other people that I had no respect for. And so I needed to get educated. Then once I got educated, then we became uh, clients of David's and, and we have gold and silver for the noble family. And so because I'm not uh, stuck on other people's radio stations anymore, I can flat out tell you, you need to make the phone call or go to the website site and get educated. You are a steward of your finances. I don't care if you have a little, a medium amount, or a lot. You're a steward. And and with things this rocky, and it's only going to get more rocky, we all have a responsibility to ourselves, to our families, and to Mm -hmm. our posterity to take this seriously. So this is something you need to consider. Like I said, I was completely against precious metals. I knew nothing. It all sounded kind of wacky to me. And now we have uh, a significant uh, investment in that. And it's so nice to know that I've got it physically it's in a safe place and uh, uncle sam can't touch it so do what i did and, and get educated you'll be glad that you did landmarkgold.com is the website or the phone number 844-604-2575 we haven't talked about bail-ins in a while uh you were mentioning we talked a lot just a minute ago about bailouts that's what the government did in 2008 yeah. so give us an update on bail-in maybe a, a real quick just a reminder what a bail-in is and also some new information that i think you've come into so uh, we didn't bail out everybody because um, <laughs> the government didn't have enough money to bail out Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers and 220 banks. So those failed. Right. Uh, and in the aftermath of that, so that's that's a, they bailed them out, bailed out uh, General Motors, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and AIG. A bail-in is where nobody comes to the rescue for that country or those banking system. And what happens is, they go into their citizens' bank accounts, seize their money. They're going to their citizens' retirement accounts, seize their money. And this is called a bail-in. 
you know, I did some research. It's been done in nine different countries. Let's just go through this really quick. I always thought is because it, they're in a financial calamity. What I'm finding out now more so, it's before they get into the financial mm-hmm. calamity. For instance, Argentina, 2008, the government seized their pensions. Bulgaria in 2011, they seized their private retirements, like the equivalency of a 401k IRA. That's what happened in Bulgaria. In Hungary, they gave them a choice. Either send over your private pension to the government, or we're not going to give you any government eligible pension payments Mm. monthly. That's like our government saying, give us your 401k or your IRA, or you're not going to get any Social Security or Medicare benefits. (laughs) In France, in 2010, again, they seized their pensions, but they did it to reduce a deficit. Now, we have a $2.3 trillion budget deficit. They did this in France because there was a deficit in the budget. Cyprus, we all know that. There was the big bail-in, 60% of bank accounts. uh, The bank accounts, people lost at least 60% of your money. There's a man by the name of John Dramitrio who was interviewed by the Sydney Herald. He lost over over a million dollars, which was 99% of his money. They worked whole his whole life. He was 65 oh, years old. You know, there's an article in the Sydney Times about that. Poland, 2013, they seized private pensions. They gave nothing in return, no compensation. <laughs> Ireland in March of 2009, they seized the pensions, and this was – a huge problem back in, in Poland. My screen's going blank here for a second. Um, there we go. That's right. We love tech. Yes. My tech here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a techie here. Okay. We Me get either. back to Poland, uh, Ireland. They did it twice in 2009 and in 2010. It wasn't enough the first Man. time. Portugal did it in 2011. Again, private pensions for a budget deficit. Greece they seized a half a million bank accounts in 2016. So these things are, are really, really popular. And let's put this into perspective here. One more thing. The true number of our debt is not $34 trillion. That's the national debt clock, 34.2. Mm-hmm. Right. We have $90 trillion in unfunded liabilities. So we have a hundred and twenty-four trillion dollars. So the GDP, when you just look at the you oh, know boy. the GDP to debt, they say it's one hundred and twenty-three percent. That's just the national debt. It's really five hundred and forty-seven percent when you add up all the debt. Because last time I checked, Social Security checks are still going out. That's right. Medicare payments are still happening. That's the unfunded liability. Our government workers still are still getting their payments. They're still getting their paychecks. They're still getting their bonuses. They're still getting their retirements. That's unfunded liabilities. So you had to add up the whole thing, but our government just kind of wants to push it aside. Yeah, oh yeah. Let's not talk about that. Because like those are IRUs the government owes to all these people out, out into the future. So unfunded liabilities look at, okay, let's just talk about spending right now. Unfunded liabilities is like when you sit there and go, well, I need to pay for this house next year and the year after that. And then we have to retire and blah, 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 blah. And so you start looking at all these costs that you have, that you're obligated to, they're coming. And that's what the unfunded liability is. And when you push that out, when you go out 25 years, David, we're at like 150 trillion. 
Yeah. And then, you, 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 I mean, even your interest on that debt, you're like, we can't pay that. So you can't make your minimum payment on your credit card. You can't pay anything. And that's exactly the direction we're going on, which is why why the bail-in, and I'm glad you are sharing the history of that. If you, it, it, Listen, friend, if you check any of your accounts online, any electronic access to your stuff, that's the way they go in. It's not like the bank show that the Fed's going to show up at the front door of First Citizens Bank and break the door down and go in and start pulling cash out of people's safe deposit box. No, this is all done electronically. And so if you check any balances, you can access your money online. So can the government. That's the reality of it, isn't it? It's, I mean, that sounds like an Orwellian James Bond kind of crazy movie, but that's the truth. You know, and the IMF is all involved with this. They oh, put boy. out several reports on this, the International Monetary Fund. I found more reports on that. It's a global thing. It's tied into central bank digital currencies. It's tied into globalists saying like, you know, Klaus Schwab, you'll have nothing and you'll be happy. That is where right. the world is moving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we need to be aware of that. We need to understand this is the agenda. It's not going to change. And they're tying up everything they, they can, loophole and law, to create this idea that this is where we're going. So us as yep. Christians, so we're supposed to be wise. You know, people perish for lack of knowledge or wisdom. And that's what I want to say. Thank you for allowing me to come on your program to share. Here's the facts. You know, Fox News did a big in excerpt saying, what can they seize? They said, any product anywhere in the economy. Any, think about that, what that means. <laughs> Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, yeah. annuities, CDs, cash in the bank, your savings, your checking account, treasury bills, the list goes on. Any paper asset mm -hmm. is in the bullseye of the government. So this is why, and I'm not against any of those paper assets. I right. have some of them. What I am saying is don't have 100% and 100% of those paper assets diversify because if they did a bail-in, and I don't know if it's really if anymore, because this is really the biggest and easiest solution to fix this thing. Right. It's right. more like when. I'd rather be two years too early than two days too late. That's right. But it's like this. When Noah was building the ark, there was no such thing as rain. There was no I They didn't even know what that really meant. But no Close. one knew that he was supposed to build an ark, there was going to be this flood, and they mocked him, they ridiculed him, but he mm -hmm. was right because he heard from the, the Lord that this is what's going to happen. And so, you know, having some gold and silver is kind of like your financial ark. You're not going to put all your money into it, but you're certainly yeah. not going to say, I shouldn't prepare, because even though we've, us in America, have never experienced rain or called a bail-in, it mm -hmm. has happened, That's as right. I mentioned, in nine other countries, and the laws are clearly set up even more definitive, I will say as far as this, even more than the nine countries combined, as far as I can tell, yeah. Steve. This is why it's really important to diversify. Look into rolling over some of your 401k, your IRA, into physical gold and silver. And, you know, we can talk more about that by you got you know, the listener calling my company, there's yeah. no pressure, there's no obligation. And you can you know, obviously do this outside of an IRA retirement plan. We help people do both, whatever's best for them. It's their decision. We're the facilitator, but most importantly, we are the educator and they get to make those choices right. on their own with no pressure.
Well, we, we both were referencing the U.S. debt clock. I'm looking at it right now on my, my Mac here uh, in my studio, usdebtclock.org. And when you, when you come down on the main page, it, looks, it gives you all the current stuff. But when you come down, uh, there's, a, there's a category down here called household assets. So that's all U.S. households, all the assets, which is going to include what you're talking about, David, and, and cash and IRAs and money markets and investments, all that stuff. Right now, the, the, what, what they're saying is the household assets in America is $151 trillion, $151.6 trillion. Well, that starts to look pretty attractive when your total national debt is $34.5 trillion. You're like, we could never pay that off. Mm, just slide down the page a little bit, and you got $151.6 trillion in our combined piggy banks. And to think that the federal government can't get so desperate that it wouldn't bank, uh, bust that piggy bank open and go take some of that and go, hey, we didn't take it all. We only need 34 trillion or whatever they would do at the particular time. That's why you got to understand this stuff and, and understand the actual hard numbers that are out there and the reality of it. We're supposed to be people of truth. If you're a Christian like David and I, you, truth is the number one deal. And that's why Jesus said it to Pontius Pilate. For this reason, I was born and this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. That's all we're doing. You're exactly right. And the truth will set us free. And That's right. Two, two columns over to the right of the national debt is the debt per taxpayer. And it's like $265,000. So, so the government is telling us, you owe money to us. And if we need it, we're going to have to take it somehow, some way. And that's where the bail-in is yep, realistic. Right. I don't know if you caught the interview with Jerome Powell in 60 Minutes here a couple of weeks ago. Part of on it, a yep. Sunday. They mm -hmm. said in a very interesting fact there that in the next 30 years, the national debt is projected to be $144 trillion. That's $110 trillion more than what we more. are right now. Right. That's yeah. just 30 years away. I don't think we're going to make it to 30 years. I think we're going to have a major meltdown in the next one to five years. But I found it ironic. So I did, I did one more fact here. I did the numbers based upon where we're at, how much... We've been spending under the president administration, yeah. and President Obama spent a little over eight point one trillion. President in eight years, President Trump spent seven point eight. Excuse me, eight point one trillion, eight point five uh, five nine trillion is the actual number under Obama. Seven point, and that's in eight years. Seven point eight trillion under Trump in four years, and if President Biden continues. At the rate he's going, by the time he leaves office, somewhere around January 20th of next year, you, you heard me say by the time he leaves office. Uh, yeah, I had said that right. Hopefully that's the case. Um, My prayer 38.2 trillion will be the national debt. He would have increased it the most by any president, $10.5 trillion in four years. It's so Obama does 8.6 and 8, which is basically a little over 1 trillion per year. Trump does 7.8 and 4, which is almost 2 trillion a year. And then we go from almost 2 to basically uh, 2 and a half, 2.6 trillion a year under Biden, which is a hockey stick chart, right? It's just skyrocketing. And if we had SpaceX, 110 right divided by 30, that's what's that? I mean, it, I mean, you can that's 3.7 trillion a year is where that yeah. is going so yeah. it's a it's, hockey stick it's a hockey stick so uh let's finish up our time together david G give us an update on gold and silver and then factor that in as a tool that we can use 
to help pull some of our assets out of the winds of change, which you're not going to get away from. We, we often talk about this. I talk about your regular investments are up here. That's the sail and the sailboat underneath. You got a keel. You got to have some weight underneath there or the teeter totter. We've talked about that a lot on one end of your regular investments on the other end. What happens is we all have those painful memories from being a kid and the other person on the other end jumps off and yep. bam, down you go. So uh, an update on gold and silver would be great. So it's causing the gold market to move the most is the engine, which is central banks. They're aggressively selling dollars. They're aggressively buying gold. Uh, last year's title of the article, central banks are leading revolt against the U.S. dollar, shifting to gold at record pace, market expert says, market insider. Central banks will keep gobbling up gold in 2024, January of this year, says. World Gold Council says in February 9th, blistering central bank buying of gold is a strong demand Here's another one. November of last year, gold is in a 13-year breakout. Uh, gold price will soon hit $5,000 in three years. Michael Lee, he is a, an award-winning financial planner, advisor, excuse me. That was September last year. Gold investment will quadruple. Uh, Rick Rule, he's a financial uh, investment person, Not doesn't own the gold. None of these people or these topics, they own their right, gold company. Right. Uh, William Middlecoop says he expects a strong, he's a founder of a, a, a chief investment officer at the Commodity Discovery Fund. Uh, he says, expect a very strong move in gold the next five to 10 years and also silver. He says, once gold starts to run, it will go up five times, eight times, or 10 times. Think about that. We're around $2,000 is the index right now. Yeah. Those are yeah. big numbers. Too big yeah. for my britches. Um, yeah. And then there's another person that says $15,000 gold. Why? Because the country is going to either have to fix their debt through defaulting, massive inflation called hyperinflation. Bank of America a year ago referred to that in a couple articles. Or they're going to have to back a currency by gold to stabilize it. We can't create debt out of thin air anymore. Or they do mm -hmm. a bail-in. Any of those fixes, and maybe right. a combination thereof, is going to cause paper assets to come down gold and silver to go up. Again, what I'm not saying is take all your money out of paper, put it right. in gold. I'm saying don't miss it because if you look at the comparison, the Dow to gold ratio, not a ratio, but a comparison in how they performed. I've heard this many times, Steve, that, oh, don't buy gold. It's not a good investment. Stocks are the only way to go. Gold is like a light switch. When it turns on, it makes really big moves. When it turns off, it's dormant. Same yeah. thing in any other market. But in year 2000 to 2012, the Dow was at 10,727 points, went to slightly less than 13,000 points, or 21% increase. During the same period of time, 2000 to 2012, gold went up 578%. Wow. Here's another term, another timeline. 1970 to 1979, they call that the lost decade for stocks. Because of inflation, the Dow was at 753 points in 1970. In 1979, it was 844 points, or up a little over 12%. Gold was at $39, went to 800, went up 1950%. Wow, that's crazy. So, but then it went dormant from 1980 to year 2000. Mm -hmm. The articles I just read to you, 2024, is a, we've started a bull market in gold. It does. All bull markets don't look like a bull market because it's not right. 
widely talked about, but it has all the formation. I've been doing this 29 years. I've seen every kind of market and been in every kind of market you can imagine. And I'm telling you, this is a bull market in gold. And as soon as the Fed starts lowering rates, you will see it in the news. Yeah. But yeah. at that point, we've already probably had a hundred or two hundred dollar uptick in this already, maybe more. So call my company, learn about what a bull market looks like, learn about how to protect your money in gold and silver, protect it from a bail and protect it from a default, protect it from hyperinflation. And if it they back our currency by gold, you won't need gold, but you probably want to have some because gold's gonna have to go up a lot. <laughs> And the dollar's going to yes. have to come down for the currency and yes. the gold to meet in the middle to protect it exactly. and to back it. So, again, there's no pressure. We're all about education. But uh, a portion to seven, a portion to eight, because you do not know what tragedy may befall you. That's right. And the three white papers that are out there, BRICS, which we've talked about many times. Actually, Vladimir Putin talked about it briefly yeah. with Tucker Carlson a week ago. I watched that interview. That was fascinating. BRICS, the new financial system that could dethrone the U.S. dollar. That's out there. The coming bail-in, which we were just talking about with David. That's another white paper. And then another one called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And you can get all of those when you contact David's company. And, and by... The internet, by a website, or by phone number, what's the best way for people to go, David? Well, probably the easiest way is to, you know, going to have a question is just pick up the phone, give us a call uh, at 844-604-2575. Again, the number 844-604-2575, or they can go to our website at landmarkgold.com. Excellent. As always, 844-604-2575 or landmarkgold.com. We've got those if you're watching the video on Facebook or Rumble or uh, Spotify, then you can see those uh, that information right on the screen and the website so you can contact David and his team. David, would you do me a favor before we uh, hit the stop button? Would you just uh, pray for all of our friends in the audience and then we'll be good to go? Yes, absolutely. Lord, we come before you. We thank you that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you, Lord, that you hold us in the palm of your hand. You know all, you see all, and yet you are God and you're with us and you love us deeply, even beyond that we can even comprehend. Lord, you bought us with, with such a great price, your own shed, your own blood, your own son. And so, Lord, we just pray that your blessings upon everybody that's listening be with them. Have them sense that you are alive, that you are real, and that you want to have a relationship with them, a personal relationship with the God Almighty that created the heavens and earth, that created each one of us in your image. And Lord, I pray that you would bless people, touch their lives, touch families. Mm. We pray for our president and the administration. Yes, Lord. We pray that you would touch their hearts. We we pray for our country, that you would heal our land from this financial burden that we have. Mm. And God, we would still be the light and the salt of the earth that America would shine bright in the future for all the world to see. And we just thank you for Steve and Gina and his wife and their family. Blessings upon them. And thank you, Lord, for the great word that they speak that touches so many lives. We just give you all the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, pal. Great being with you. Thanks for your time as always. We'll do it again soon. Thank you, my brother. All right, buddy. Bye. Love you too.